know how important equity and sustainability are in making sure that your values align with how you're living your life. Why not your money? Why not schedule your wealth assessment today? Simply go to forethoughtplanning.com backslash wealth assessment to schedule yours today. Welcome to another episode of Thrive Forward, a podcast created for you, where we provide you tools, resources, and connections around your wealth, health, and mindset in order to educate and empower you into action. Hosted by yours truly, Shannon Foreman, and a production of Forethought Planning. Today on our episode of Thrive Forward, we welcome Erica Jones, who is a diversity and inclusion professional, as well as a passionate and heartfelt Baptiste yoga instructor. She is a key leader in the Twin Cities around conversations around equity and inclusion, as well as how we lead those conversations with more compassion, unity, and understanding. So join us today as Erica gives us some key insights into hot topics that are happening throughout the summer, the murder of George Floyd, recent topics, as well as some great insight around voting as we approach election season. Tune in. You have shared this thought process, um, and I'd love for you to share it with this audience, but you talk a lot about your true north, and you just mentioned Mm. that. Can you go into that aspect of what that true north means to you and how that has been revealed to you even more through some of the events of this summer? Yeah, so, you know, like true north, it's, um, you know, in yoga, it's everything from feet up, like really grounding down and rising up. So when you think of like earth, grass, everything like rises up, like heat rises. And so if you're like sitting like right now in the chair for anyone that's listening, like what are your feet doing? So finding your feet, spreading your toes. And there's already this like energetic difference that you feel, right? When you like uncross your legs and your feet are planted, how did you immediately feel? It's like you have like a level of foundation, like, right. I just, I'm, I'm doing this literally while you and I are talking because my feet were yeah. crossed. Yeah. A foundation. So your feet, and then it's like your legs, like integrating your legs and then softening and then moving up like to hips and then to chest, like shoulders back, mm-hmm. like shoulders back. And then the crown of your head up. Hmm. Yeah. And then softening in it, like the inner, your whole body is integrating inward. It's contracting inward. And then there's a softness. Mm -hmm. And so how do you feel right here? Like standing in your true North, sitting in your true North. How do you feel right here? For me? I mean, I feel like there's just in that posture, I can find myself slouching throughout the day And when I roll my shoulders back and I lift my head up in that simple fashion, it's a level of confidence about whatever it is that I'm living in that space, right? Um, And that I can move through that situation just a little bit better rather than, you know, slouching forward for those people that are listening, not watching and hunching our backs. Yeah. And listen to what you did with your voice just now, right? So like you speak, you move, you go through like 
true north alignment, it's like, oh, I feel confident. And then when I'm slouching, you like made that voice because that's what tends to happen. So when you're thinking about our true north alignment when it comes to like social justice, racial justice, from the ground up, what are the things that we're wanting to have happen? You know, it's like this happens, the true north alignment, our words, you know, we talk about like rioting and looting, like, is that part of like true north? I understand the concept of writing. I understand the concept of protesting. I don't understand the concept of looting. That is not a part of like the true north. Does that feel good? No, it's like really above and beyond. It's, it's contracting all the muscles and the body. It's like mm-hmm. our tight shoulders, right? And I also understand like the writing is the voices of the people unheard and writing can look so different. Mm-hmm. Writing doesn't mean the de- images that we may also depict and see. And so if it's writing from the place of true North alignment of disruption, disrupting patterns of behavior, disrupting old policies, that is still writing in a way that it still aligns a person into their true north, their purpose, their mission, and who they are. So for me, what that looks like, writing for me looks like calling out exclusive behavior right when I see it and not letting it happen and pass. Mm. So if I see it, if I hear it happen in the moment, I'm going to like be in my true north alignment, compassionately say it and disrupt that. To me, that's like writing, like something that would, that would consistently happen. Right. It's not being, it's not being, I hear this all the time. Like, well, we just need to get back to normal. Well, what, what, what was normal and was normal and was normal serving everyone. And so when we disrupt, it feels unnormal for the status quo, but really an element it's bringing everyone into that true North aspect. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I understand like there's a balance. I want things to be normal. I mean, I miss a concert. I miss going to concert. Yes. I miss that. You know, I miss the freedom of going to a concert, going to a baseball game, going to a football game, going to, that's a part of normal that I do miss. Like that is, that, that was normal. The part that wasn't normal is the way in which we were going. We were burning at both ends of the candle Mm -hmm. or the stick or whatever you say. It's like, uh, now I look at myself and I'm like, how did I get out the door to go to work by 9 a.m.? It was like, I was going to work out and then I was doing this and I was, I just, that wasn't normal. Mm -hmm. And so getting back to normal, this is really called the two pandemics of COVID, of the racial pandemic. It's really caused us to really take a look at was normal okay? And what's Mm -hmm. the new normal that we want to create? So when we talk about these pieces of things um, and given your background around mindfulness and everything, you've said this before, like, stopping and having that compassionate conversation or aligning yourself in the conversation and not letting ego go with it. What about fear in those conversations? I hear that a lot. Like the people are afraid. Fear is also part of ego, right? It's like fight or flight. 
So it is still all part of an ego of, I don't feel safe or I feel this. So then that is like ego saying, then you're not safe here. There's like that fear. I have to do something in order to protect. So mm -hmm. it can show up as like, I need to protect, I need to defend. It, it just shows up in different ways. And like fear is, you know, I hear everyone ask the element of fear and it's like, wow, I, I guess for me, I haven't really experienced a feeling of fear because I can ask like the leading with curiosity and then like asking questions that help get through fear are really what's, what's key and really fear is highlighting in some cases, it depends on what it is. It could highlight some areas of, of privilege mm -hmm. that some people may have. And so their safety, I mean, of course I would never wish like harmful, unsafe situations, but safety mm -hmm. at jeopardy. Right. Mm -hmm. So for example, I was like walking down earlier today. I don't know where people are listening from, but downtown Minneapolis, Nicolette mall. And I worked at target there. Targets headquarters is mm -hmm. based there. U.S. bank is there. There's a lot of fortune 500 companies that are based right downtown. And I really, I got out. I was like, wow, the demographics really shifted. Mm. Now, my first thought is I didn't feel fearful. One, based on color of skin. Majority of the people that I saw that were white or were black. So there was that like barrier that was released. So if I was an individual as white, maybe fear would have come up. Because then being white, you would have been in the minority. However, I was like, well, this feels odd. And when I thought this feels odd, I was referring to like a socioeconomic status, mm. which we also really don't talk about, right? Mm -hmm. I'm black. We also don't talk about the um, classism among, amongst black America and how that is also really a element of privilege. And I was like, well, okay, I don't feel fear. Well, what's different? What's different is all of these individuals were always probably there. Mm -hmm. Different is everyone's working from home and therefore corporate America is not flooding Nicolette Mall. Mm. So the absence of ind more individuals like myself, corporate America, working eight to five, having a job, going in and out of Target, doing a thing, that was missing. So I was like, well, man, that is like a privileged thought of mine. That mm -hmm. there's not individuals, quote unquote, like me, right? So then I was in this intersectionality of not like me, of working job, what quote unquote success looks like. There's not more of me out there filling the streets with like the cute little happy hours and the cute little lunches. Um, and there were people like me, meaning black. Mm -hmm. However, not like me in the sense of, um, of, the daily activity and or based on class. Right. So it was this really interesting thing. And so asking myself those, all of those questions, I was like, this isn't fear. That is your ego. Mm. That these individuals are not acting like you being like you. 
and that's your ego and that is your privilege. So once I like, I mean, oh, so I'm sharing this spiral longer, but that literally took me two minutes to figure that out. So the whole piece of wellness and how this all connects together is being able to do personal and self work to get yourself to the point of pushing through that. And, you know, it does require the wellness element and taking care of self, putting on your own face mask to then be able to mitigate a lot of that. Um, a lot of the lack of, you know, bias, being out of true north, I was like able to get back into that quickly. Yeah. I think being able to have that level of direction served you in that space. I, I want to, as you talked about the classism aspect of things, as I'm sure you're aware, um, there was a conversation or a press conference earlier this week with a financial executive from a financial institution. We will, we shall not name on the podcast, but you can Google it. It's there if you want to listen to it or read it, who said that there weren't enough people of color and specifically black people to hire into the jobs. And that's why it was so white at their company. Hmm. What it, what yeah. was your reaction to that? And especially being some, a woman who is a, is an African American woman in a DNI position in a Fortune 500 company? What has your experience been with that? And how do we move forward into a space where people don't think like that and they realize that there is actually immense amount of talent out there? Well, one, I was like, well, sorry for you because everyone, if they were banking there, those who were banking there are choosing not to bank there anymore. And any competitor bank is probably gaining a lot of their customers in that. Mm -hmm. And also it's a cop out. Um, number one, um, you do see the stats and more and more of black individuals leaving corporate America for the sense of um, a lack of belongingness and inclusion and creating their own organic companies and organizations. That's why you began seeing more black owned banks and black owned businesses, etc. And what, I just can't believe, oh God, I would, that's just terrible. Because not only are you saying that outwardly to people, but to then do damage control with the current employees, it's like, well, what responsibility do you take in this? So right. number one, that's not true. Number two, if that is true, how do you want to be a solution to the problem? What programs as a, one of the largest banks are you going to create in order to tap into the talent, not at a college level, but at a high school level in order to begin cultivating and mentoring and being able to open up and highlight the um, career opportunities that students may want to have and explore. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like in tech, um, if tech companies were like, well, there's no women talent, what do they start doing? creating STEM for women at like a high school, middle school level. They, they changed the narrative where they were then creating solutions to the issues. Yeah. So that's that. I just kind of like just rolled my eyes and said, I feel really horrible for that diversity officer there because now they are just in a defense mode and um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think too, we have to think about it, not just as creating seats at the table, but like you said, people are leaving and why are they leaving? Because there's not a culture that supports them, right? There's not a culture that understands them. There is a whitewashed culture that is even like, I've heard this often. I've sat in boardrooms where I've heard this and had to like shut it down where people are like, well, you only got this job either because you're a woman or because you're black or because you're Asian or because you're Latino or whatever it might be. Like literally people are saying those things. And I think sometimes we're so blind. And this year, again, you said this earlier, has been the year of revealing. And I think that this statement was an opportunity for us to really pull back the layers of it's not just the position, it's the cultures that we need to be creating Mm -hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So as we close out for today in our conversation, because I feel like you and I could talk about these things forever, um, but it's Friday afternoon when we're recording this and it's flipping beautiful outside. So let's go know, outside. If you haven't been out. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't been out, you need to. Yeah. We, I mean, our days are, are numbered in Minnesota before we start he- seeing the snow, but I am kind of a crazy person. I do like the first snowfall. So Um, Yeah, that's me. But as we close it out today, are there any pieces, especially um, when your episode airs, it's close to election time and making those those votes count. Do you have anything that you want to leave the people with today? Yeah, well, making the vote counts. You know, the thing about voting right now that I want everyone that I that I wish I could scream from the mountaintops is that we're telling everyone to go out and vote. Yes, we need Mm -hmm. to go out and vote. That's really important. However, when we are telling people what to vote, it sounds a little cringy to me because Mm -hmm. behind it, what we're saying is telling people who not to vote for. Yes. We're saying vote. And the message behind the message is I don't want you to vote for this person. Mm -hmm. That's not okay. And it's not okay because we have a younger generation. You know, my niece is in this group. It's her first year voting. She just turned 18 and we're not teaching them how to be informed voters. If we just say, go out and vote, we're not teaching it and asking the questions about what policies, what are the issues that you care about asking? Why do you care about these issues? And based on the issues that you care about and why this is now how you make an informed decision and Mm -hmm. voting. I honestly wish that we could get rid of the two-party system. It needs to go away. I don't identify with either. Um, And I don't think you're alone in that from our generations either. Yeah, because, you know, both both of them, I think, have an identity crisis right now. You know, the Republican viewpoint, if you really historically look at it, was more of a conservative base um, around issues like LGBT issues, um, et cetera. And now that some of those things have the knot of that have unwrangled and we're really fighting for equality, it's like, okay, well, what's the conservative viewpoint that's being stood on right now? And a huge Republican base of the party was um, blacks and Hispanics. Now on the democratic side, it's like, it's pandering those two groups, which is also cringy and Mm -hmm. um, an identity on like, what is it that you stand for? What does a democracy and democratic is out of the word democracy. So what part of the democracy are we really standing for? And, Mm -hmm. um, and so 
you know, I would say to have people really begin thinking about how are you becoming informed voters, Mm -hmm. identifying the top one to five issues that are important and why, really knowing why, and then making informed decisions and letting everyone else vote the way that they want to vote. And not putting like the microaggressive vote behind it and shunning people and um, like guilt and shame does not create impact. So um, really getting people to understand that, that that is not a way of guilting people into who to vote for. It actually will turn people away. And that's why we have low voter turnout because we make people feel guilty for the things that they do. And if we can have conversations about why we vote the way that we do, we'd be so much more healthier, so much Mm -hmm. more happier. And we would have, we can break the generational cycle of people not voting. And so we are doing the disservice to the Gen Z and younger generation right now by saying, go out and vote. And every single day or every opportunity that I get to talk to my niece, I'm like, what issue are you voting on? Mm -hmm. What's important to you? And um, that's what I got to say about that. Thank you so much for joining us today. I so appreciate your time. Is there anywhere specifically that you would like people to hang out with you? I know you've done a lot of events this summer with Minnesota Summer Yoga um, what, what else do you have yeah, coming up? I, um, I mean, I teach yoga on Sundays at, uh, Lululemon. Um, it's a virtual class. So people have access to, um, doing that and people can find me on Instagram. That's probably the easiest, um, platform. Yeah. And we'll put that in your, in our show notes so that people can connect with you again. Thank you so much for your wisdom and your love and your compassion through this conversation. Um, it's fantastic to hear your voice and I hope that more people continue to hear where you're coming from. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of thrive forward, a podcast for you about finances, health, and mindset. Please share with somebody that you think might find this of value, as well as subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes that we update every week for you. You can even find us on social media, on our Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube channels, all at Forethought Planning. Thank you again, and remember, you are always worthy of creating your wealth. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of Forethought Planning, Advisors Pride, or LPL Financial. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Securities are offered through LPL Financial and member of FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Advisors Pride, an SEC registered investment advisor. LPL Financial, Advisors Pride, Forethought Planning, and the guests of the Thrive Forward podcast are separate and unaffiliated parties.